So today is is November 20th, 2017, and we have in the studio Gil Johnson. Gil, welcome to Lighthouse and our recording studio. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. I have a lot to ask you, but I want to start with you and and learn a bit about where you grew up and what it was like being a blind kid way back when, and maybe a little bit about how you got to be who you are that way. Well, um, I was born, well, I'm 80 years old in two months, <laughs> and 80 plus, mm -hmm. put it that way. Uh, I was born in a very small town, Port Morgan, Colorado, northeastern part of Colorado, about 90 miles northeast of Denver, mm -hmm. a town of 5,000. Um, my parents were, my dad was a plumber, and my mom stayed home and took care of the five, uh, the five of us, my kid, and my brothers, and one sister. Um, so they had no idea or understanding about blindness. Of course, I don't remember. They never really talked much about how they thought about things when they found out that I couldn't see very well. I had some vision uh, when I was born. I had gl gl congenital glaucoma. And um, so I had some vision in one eye. Probably measured it, I don't know, 2,400, 2,600, not much. But it was my memories, my visual memories go back to what I could see. And I still picture the world in that way. Um, sunsets, uh, shapes of trees as they blow in the, as, as I could look at the shadow on the ground watching the limbs move back and forth. Um, as I got older, pretty women, of course. Uh, some of the important things in life. Anyway, the School for the Blind in, in Colorado was about 150 miles away, uh, and it was a school for the blind and deaf. And my parents, as I've been told, didn't really think that was such a great combination. Mm -hmm. um, and they wanted me to have more of a religious experience than the, they thought the school uh, could provide. What kind of religion? Uh, Lutheran. Okay. They were Missouri Synod Lutheran going way back. My parents had both been born and raised in Minnesota in the farm communities, um, southern Minnesota. And so they made a trip back, and I, re I remember it well, and we visited the School for the Blind in Faribault, Minnesota. And they decided in the middle of World War II that getting me the kind of education they thought I should have uh, and being able to live at home was very important. And so in the middle of World War II, my dad 
Quidditch job that he'd had for 20-some years, and they pulled up stakes, and we moved 800 miles. Um, With all your uh, siblings as well. Yeah. Two of my brothers uh, were in the service. Um, so one brother and, and a sister and, and myself. Uh, later, when we were, then my, my other brother joined the service as well. So all three brothers were in, in the service. Um, moved to a rental house, a couple, uh, for, you know, stayed in a rental house for a year or two, and, and they purchased a home. And it was on a city bus line, so I could take the bus to and from school. How old were you when you moved to Minnesota? I was uh, six. And maybe a six-year-old doesn't have this these feelings, but did you have any guilt or sense that, man, everybody uprooted their lives for you, or did it just, how did it seem to you? I don't recall feeling that. I mean, now, when I think about it, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, and what they did was a, a gift to me that, that uh, I mean, I, my life would have been very different had I gone to the school in Colorado. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I don't know, it was, I, it was kind of an adventure, and they were, they were happy about doing it, and I saw all the stuff got packed up and put in a train car, and when we drove from Colorado to Minnesota, I remember the car trip or parts of it. Um, so my dad stayed in Colorado for a while, for a few months to finish up his, his job. And so we got settled in a rental house and then he came out and got a job uh, as a plumber uh, in, in Faribault. <laughs> One of the I guess for them a good thing was that he doubled his salary because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, where he was working was a small you know a individual owned shop and where he went to work in Minnesota was a union shop so he, he got twice the hourly salary he was getting it but it was a big change for them there's no question about that um, but then they were also closer to their family because they had grown up in Minnesota. So I don't really know what their what their feelings were, except I, I, I just marvel at the, their willingness to do that and with all that they had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Gas rationing, tire rationing, the whole bit of they had to collect ration stamps so they had enough gas to drive. They hit 800 miles to Minnesota. Um, so what was life like for you as a blind six-year-old in elementary school in this new place? Um, I had a great time. Uh, they, met, they knew another family that lived in Faribault, and they arranged... That 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 family's son was in the second or third grade, I think, a couple of grades ahead of me, 
and they arranged for him to uh, meet me when I got off of the bus the first few days. And he kind of did that, um, showed me where I had to go. And then, you know, I made friends and got to know the school. Um, what was really different, though, was that every day at, after school let out, I could get on the city bus and go home, and almost all the other kids had to stay there in the dorm. And I, many of them, I mean, they, they would cry, you know, when their family came to visit. That mm -hmm. uh, was tough for them. So I kind of had the best of both worlds because I had some friends at the school, and then I had some neighborhood friends, kids that, you know, lived where we, when we were. Um, but I had all the, my dad and I would go fishing together. Uh, we had a garden. I could help, you know, dig the garden over and get it ready for planting and help harvest, you know, some, some of the uh, vegetables. So I had all those kinds of experiences. Here you were in 1945, 46, 47. You were, you were a low vision kid. You, did you know Braille? Did you get around? Did you take a cane on that bus? Or were you using visual techniques at that age? Uh, I did not use a cane. Uh, no, I just used the, the vision I had. Um, and again, it was a small town, so and the bus was easy. We, we lived about a block from the bus stop, and my dad or mom, one of, me, one of them showed me how to go, and, you know, that was, that was easy enough. In the, in the first grade, uh, I don't even think they tried uh, print on me. Uh, I went into Braille right away, um, which, was, which was fine with me, except I did not right away, but as time went on, I did learn large uh, print block letters. Uh, I, <laughs> I tell people that I used to go around and read the, the uh, signs on truck doors, the advertising signs, because they were it was bold print, good contrast, and I learned print letters from that. Yeah. Um, so I had, you know, I had those kinds of experiences, and my folks never, never uh, tried to stop me. Um, when I was in, I don't know what grade, sixth maybe or seventh. Um, one day after school, I just decided I was going to walk home. It was about four miles, and I knew the way because uh, I knew how the bus went and I have a have a pretty good photographic memory of locations and layout of streets and so on. So I walked home and my mother was out in the backyard and she knew something was up because I was late and I walked in the yard and she said, and where were you? And I said, Mom, I walked home. And uh, she didn't say anything. I don't think she liked it, but you know it was done. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, if I wanted to walk to school, I did. If I wanted to walk home, I did. And sometimes I would, sometimes not. 
So I had that kind of freedom. Mm-hmm. And that probably would not have been possible in a large city like Berkeley, the School for the Blind here, uh, or, or any other large city. But there were two stoplights in town, that's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in that way I, I learned a lot and was, it was very, it worked well for me. Um, so what was different? I mean, there are a lot of blind boys and girls age 12 who are starting to understand, starting to have fear, starting to have negative self-opinions, um, hide, a fake sight, all kinds of things. Somehow you escaped that sort of negative self-esteem. Why do you think that was? I don't know. Um, my my folks never made a big deal of it. I mean, they knew I couldn't see very well, and I, I guess I knew it. I, you know, I well, I must have known it at some level. Um, but they never made a big deal of it, and my brothers and sisters never did. And you know, with the freedom I had to get around. Um, and then, of course, being at the school, uh, at that time, the school for the, Schools for the Blind had, there were no public school programs. And so most of the kids that were there, vision was their major problem. There were, there were in fact, though, a few kids that were what we now would call multi-handicapped. But... Mostly, the kids that were there were just, you know, they just couldn't see. And so it was a, in that regard, it was a fairly normal kind of environment. But then, you know, the kids that I made friends with in our neighborhood, um, they were, you know, they they just took me for what I was. Mm -hmm. And um, I played with them sometimes and sometimes didn't. What did you imagine in that 12-year-old uh, mind of yours then that you would be doing as an adult? You'd do some kind of work. What, what, what were you thinking at that time? Well, I started, I don't know at what age exactly, 10, 11, 12 probably. Um, I'd go out sometimes alone, sometimes with you know other kids and shovel snow and, you know, People would give us a buck or two bucks uh, for shoveling their driveway and their front walkway. Um, and then I started making leather belts. Um, you could buy these kits uh, uh, with belt with link, links to put together a leather belt, and there were th- different sizes and different different widths and different colors and. Um, was one most of them were smooth leather, but there was one that was an alligator feeling leather. So I started making belts and selling them, uh, and did quite well at it actually. Uh, to the point where, again, I don't remember exactly what age, but my brother, my oldest brother, borrowed two hundred dollars from me, uh, and I. I 
couldn't have been more than 13 or 14 at that time. Mm-hmm. So, so I, you know, I earned the money and I didn't spend it. I, I didn't have anything to spend it on. No reason to. Um, so I, I always thought of myself as somebody who liked to work and would work. My mother was convinced that what I would do is become a teacher. Um, that was her concept of what blind folks uh, could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never thought about it one way or the other, but that that was, if people talked to her, that's what she would say. Well, I, th- I think Gilbert could be a good teacher. So we went along. When I was then 14, uh, I had a, it was an after-school basketball game that I was playing, and we were late for gym, and I was running and running, and I was not being very careful, and I tripped off the edge of a sidewalk and hit a sawhorse and took out my one good eye. And uh, that was it. Uh, the principal, they loaded me in the pickup truck the school had, went home and got my mother, went to the doctor, and there was nothing they could do, of course. it was The eye was gone. Wow. So I was out of school for about a week, took a lot of aspirin, um, slept quite a bit, and uh, in about a week I went back to school. Yeah, you were already at the School for the Blind. Yeah. It was all set up. Right, right. And, you know, went and just went and took the bus like, like I always had. Um, this time still without a cane? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was easy. <laughs> we, we lived at that time three houses from the corner. We were on a – it wasn't a sidewalk. It was a dirt path. But, you know, I, I knew it well. Uh, you know, and I was careful crossing the street. So I went went back to school, and I think it was when I was about, oh, going back to your question about work, my brothers, two of my brothers, after they got out of the service uh, for a year or so, they did other things, but they, uh, they, they went back to they went to Colorado, where we had been born, and they purchased a uh, motel and opened it up, uh, and it was right on the uh, major highway that was not a freeway. It wasn't a limited access highway at that time. And so, when I, I don't know how what, what was the first summer I went there, but it must have been when I was nine or ten, I would go back there for the summers and work at the motel. Um, and I would help laundry with laundering the sheets, washing them up, uh, washing the sheets, hanging them on the clothesline. We didn't have a dryer at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing the sheets in, folding them, helping to clean the cabins, pulling weeds, just doing anything I could around the motel to make things work. Um, There's just some assumption in there that 
blindness is just you you dealt with it but you had to be part of a part of a group and you had to find value by helping others right well and and it was i mean because you know i god my brothers were i always got along great with them they were uh no five and seven years older than me no seven and a half and ten years older than me so you know I i was the youngest in the family um but I loved being there with them and with their families. And gosh, we'd go swimming on Sundays, or we'd go up to the mountains, or we'd have barbecues, or we'd shoot off fireworks on the Fourth of July. We did all those kinds of things that my folks didn't do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that wasn't their thing. Um, and and. Uh, Gosh, I I couldn't get enough of that. Uh, I I'd work 15, 16 hours a day, you know. Just and I, if I couldn't find anything to do, I'd call my brother and say, "What do you want me to do?" Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I, I I wanted to. I wanted to be active. I wanted, and of course, in the process of that, I began learning things. I learned how to clean a bathroom and how to make a bed. I can make, uh, what do they call them, hospital corners just as well as anybody can. Yeah. Because <laughs> I learned that. Uh, and preparing a cabin to be repainted, moving the furniture out, washing the windows, all that kind of stuff. Uh, pulling weeds. There wasn't anything I wouldn't try. And and they, they were... My brothers were very, and, and their wives too, uh, very supportive of me. Uh, and then they started paying me, <laughs> besides feeding me and everything else. Um, so uh, I think the first year, one brother gave me a pair of boots, and the other brother gave me ten dollars. And the following year, they gave me the large sum of a hundred dollars. Couldn't believe it <laughs> that they had given me that much money. Yeah, um, well, I took it home and put it away. Um, it was—I don't know what got me interested around that. Again, maybe when I was nine or ten, something like that, in um, woodworking. I—I I, I remember. It was some kind of wind-up toy we had or something, and I thought, you know, if I put wings on this and wound it up, it might fly. (laughs) And so I tried that. Well, it didn't fly. Um, (laughs) But I knew how, then I I was able to attach the wings to it and, you know, had some wood. And then I got my hands on a, a miter saw, a hand miter saw, Stanley, very good piece of equipment mm-hmm. uh, for twenty-five bucks, and I, you know, I had the money, um, and then I liked having that. And then I, I don't know how it came about, but I was able. To, I bought a, a table saw, small one, very small, but I made a lot of things with that table saw, 
Um, and you were how old then? I'm guessing 12 or 13. So let me ask the question. Um, parents, your parents somehow had a positive attitude letting their 12 or 13-year-old kid use a power power table saw in the basement somewhere. How, right. how, how did they have this, what is even today would be an advanced idea about how blind people can do stuff? I don't know. I truly do not know. I mean, it just, I mean, it, it, I made the decision to buy the saw, and they didn't object, and you know, I had it downstairs, and I'd plug it in and cut boards on it. And I think my dad maybe watched me some. My mother, she, she wouldn't do that. Um, I, she might have been a little apprehensive. I, I don't, but I don't really know. But they just let me be. So when I was probably fifteen, I built a. We got a hold of some really, really nice birch lumber clear, and I built a desk, a nine-drawer desk, which my wife still uses. Um, and my mother, after I got it finished, she varnished it so it looked nice. Uh, it's a good piece of furniture, even now. Um, and I kind of drew up the plans in my head for it and thought about how to make it and I probably over overbuilt it. I used larger wood screws than you needed to than I would now. But it came out fine. And my uncle who was a carpenter saw that and he 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 was he was pretty impressed that that, uh, that I could build that desk. Um and that that success at doing that, I mean, I felt proud of that, having built that desk. And that kind of launched me into woodworking as something I just, I wanted to do, you know, for a long term. But there's something deeper in that. I mean, woodworking, it's, you're an actor in the world. You're not somebody who something's being done to you. You have an idea, you make it come true was that was that something that your fellow students at school for the blind had or did were you even then seen as something of an outlier there were i don't i don't know there was there were several kids that um as i think about it now were you know pretty capable uh we started a ham club, uh, or, well, a radio club, and started soldering thing, wires and, and like that, making a shortwave system. And I don't know what, what we made. I wasn't so interested in that. But some of, the, some of the other kids were, and they got pretty good at it, some of them. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, one of the other kids, he actually had gone to public school for a while and then came to the school for the blind. Um, eventually, he moved out here and he, you 
may even know of him. His name was Bob Larson. He had a full-fledged metal shop uh, and did contract work for, for people that wanted short runs of particular metal parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had lays, and the Smith Kettlewell Institute set that up with talking devices so that he could micrometer things down to you know a thousandth of an inch. Um, I don't remember that he did that, although I stayed at his home a few times, and he and his brothers overhauled a car and hopped up the engine and made it a hot rod, uh, and I, I helped with that some, but Bob did a lot of the work on that. So in answer to your question, I, I, you know, there were some, some other kids that, I, as I think about it now, were, they were pretty outgoing. Uh, and and did things like that. Um, I think I probably did have a little bit broader experiences because my brothers were in Colorado and I could get there every summer and work my tail off in a motel. Um, eventually I would greet, greet customers as they stopped to rent a room at the hotel and at the motel and show them their rooms and things like that. And and I know a lot, I don't think most of the kids had that kind of an experience. So I I was, had some experiences in that way that I think many of them did not have. So then what happened at the school and uh, how did you finish there and what was next? Well, we, Aside from all the academic classes you take, you know, arithmetic and geography and history and social studies and on and on and on, uh, when I was in the sixth grade, I took, I was enrolled in typing, a typing class. And I learned, I learned how to type on a manual typewriter and I knew how important that was going to be. I don't know how I knew that, but I knew. And I bought a portable typewriter of my own so I could practice at home. And I started writing letters to my brothers and anybody else I could think of. Um, got that, you know, got that skill. I was in the band. Well, I took piano when I for five years, and um, I always loved piano music. I could hear what I wanted to be able to play. I just didn't have the finger coordination, dexterity to do it. Um, So I didn't get so far with that. But then I got into the band. We we had a 14-piece band, and I started on the French horn, and then moved up to trumpet, and for six years I was in the band. And the the teacher there was, he was a professional violinist at one time. He played with the, I don't know if it was a Philadelphia symphony or, you know, one of the main major symphony orchestras. And he would teach each of us our parts. He would play on the violin and we'd uh, echo it. And then once 
once I learned my part, then he would play another part, and I would play my part. And I learned how those things fitted together. The other thing we had at the school was on uh, what now would be called an industrial arts uh, building. And it had, the for that time, the usual blindness things, uh, piano tuning, chair caning, uh, basket making, basketry we called it, um, networking, which now would be called macrame, hmm. uh, and wood shop. <laughs> uh, and I took friend. them all. <laughs> yeah. I took them all. And uh, we had, uh, there was four, three or four teachers there. I can't remember. Yeah, there was four. Um, three of them, no, there was five. And three of them were blind. Um, and again, you know, they just did stuff, and they they worked well with 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 all of us, with me in particular. I I got I learned a lot from them. Um, as a matter of fact, I what I learned in the basketry class, I resurrected that, and I'm making a hamper at home now. I made the wood frame for it, and I'm making it out of a cane that you can purchase uh, based on what I learned when I was in school. What do you think of the current trend? Um, there are whole agencies for the blind, orientation centers with little or now eliminated manual arts programs of oh, all I kinds. Think, I think it's a loss. What What are we losing? Oh, my gosh. Just, just the... I mean, not that every kid is going to take to it in the way that, that I did, but just to be able to, if, if nothing else, take a piece of wood and fashion it into something that you maybe designed. Uh, even if you only did it once, I, I think the, 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 the feeling of being able to do that is, if, if you don't have that opportunity, uh, and you know some coaching from somebody that knows what they're doing. Uh, I think it's a real loss mm -hmm. for kids. I really do. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I learned when I was in, in the school was that I guess well two things. <clears throat> when I got to be in the ninth grade. Uh, the rumor went around the school that unless you could sign your name, you wouldn't graduate. And I don't think that was true, but I believed it. And so <laughs> we took uh, took a handwriting class, and I don't, I'm not very good at it now. But I was a, I learned the whole, you know, script uh, alphabet, and actually hand wrote a couple of letters uh, when I was in the ninth grade and learned how to sign my name, of course. Um, and I can't think of how many thousands of times since then I've signed my name. And I remember talking to a teacher, actually she was in teacher prep at a, at a college, and I said something about uh, handwriting, and she said, well, why would you bother with that? You know, you don't have to sign your name. You can 
why would I not want to? Right. I mean, if if I have enough money to buy a house, am I going to put an X? I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so. So there was that. But one of the shop instructors who was is was blind was also their the mobility instructor. So after school, and I don't know what, I think I was in the 10th grade maybe, probably. And it was after I'd lost my vision. Um, he and I went out together and one-on-one, and I had a crook-handled hickory cane. Mm-hmm. And by today's standards, pretty short. But we went all over that town, and he showed me what he knew about listening to things and trailing along the right-hand side of the sidewalk and crossing in a straight line and judging traffic and judging stoplights, <laughs> the two in town. <laughs> and then you graduated if you, you could take him out on a walk, on a blind walk, and he would grab my elbow and I was guiding. Um, and my, that's the basis of my cane travel experience. Okay. And again, it was probably easier because it was in a small town of 15,000. But the, but the teacher, there was, I mean, when the whole debate, we may get into that later if you want to or not, but the whole debate about can blind people teach cane travel just seemed like such a silly question because I know the, <laughs> I know the right kind of person can, and he this, this guy certainly did. Um, so did you begin using your cane outside of instruction? Was that then became a part of how you got around or not yet? Eh, not so much. When I when I graduated and then started going up to Denver, then yes, I began using my cane uh, in Denver. Well, and, and, and in, the, in the town where I lived, my parents lived, Fort Morgan, uh, on Saturday nights I'd go down to my brother's grocery store and meet my buddies after they got off work. And yeah, I used my cane there uh, rather than just trying to wing it. So I'm thinking now this has got to be the early 1950s. Right. Seeing blind guys walking around solo with a cane, that probably wasn't a usual sight. Did you get some some questions or some some strangeness? Or what was it like to be a, kind of the first blind person a lot of people might have met? You know, I don't know. Uh, I thought about that some, and... Again, town of 15,000, it's kind of lots of people. And, and the School for the Blind was very well known there. So it wasn't as if I was the only one, uh, you know, traveling around. Although uh, I had a lot more a- access to, to traveling around because I lived at home mm-hmm. uh, than, than most of the other kids did. But I don't. I don't really remember uh, 
feeling, you know, noticed or talked about. Uh, I made good friends with the bus drivers. I made sure to do that because yeah. um, <laughs> I liked them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, But like I say, I, it, as I remember, most of the time I, I, I wasn't using a cane. Um, I, I guess when I got be 16 or 17, I used it more. I, frankly, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was just because I know that I knew the town so well that um, I, I almost didn't need to. So, what was the next step as you were nearing graduation from the school for the blind? Well, trying to think what I was going to do, and I had all kinds of ideas and. One mistake that I made, and I clearly know it, is I, I took one year of piano tuning, and I was pretty good at it. I, it was a it was a four year program mm-hmm. because it wasn't just piano tuning, but it was refurbishing pianos, replacing the strings, the, the, doing the whole the whole piano. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided to drop out because I thought what I wanted to do when I graduated I was that I was gonna I was gonna raise rabbits and sell them uh, either for pets or meat I don't I don't know if I knew which okay and so with that in mind I thought well piano tuning is that's not going to be my thing it never would have been but I often wish that I had stayed with it just because, um, you know, it was a friendly thing just to be able to tune somebody's piano. I would like to have been able to do that. And, and I didn't get far enough along to do it, to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I, you know, got to thinking about it. And, of course, it was heavily influenced by going to Colorado every summer and my brothers one of them was a uh, what they would call a jobber he had a truck and he would uh, hold, he would purchase all kinds of stuff and then drive to little the little stores all around within about a 70 mile radius of where we lived and you know, sell them potato chips and pickles and cheeses and nut meats and you know whatever they wanted, you know, for their for their little small town stores, country stores. And he did that, and I went with him uh, every Friday to to help him stock you know stock the stores, and that was. That, that was pretty cool. I got a taste of, you know, being your own business person and the things that he had to do, you know, just to to uh, keep his customers happy. My other brother started a, um, again, this is a rural area, he would distribute propane and butane gas. Uh, he had a... Uh, big gas truck that he would fill up and uh, him or 
his employees would go out and uh, he had a route, and he would fill up the farmers' gas ta- uh, propane ba- gas tanks. Of course, that led then you had to hook up the gas tank to the house, so you had to run gas pipe, mm-hmm. and that led to selling water heaters and then furnaces, and then when my uh, dad moved back out there, then he started doing plumbing work for my brother, so it expanded into that, and I was a part of all of that. Um, I worked for my brother for, I don't know, six or seven months, digging ditches or cutting pipe or, you know, whatever I had to do. Uh, and now he, there's a matter of factness about this just cutting pipe you know yep. not one person in 200 or 500 here can do that now yeah well, I still have pipe cutting tools <laughs> very good set of them mm-hmm. and, uh, and the workbenches I have the, the frame is not wood it's pipe mm-hmm um, so, so I did that, um, but just the satisfaction. Well, the, the one thing that I that I have to chuckle about even now, if I had to dig a ditch from the propane gas tank to the back of the house, how would I keep a straight line? Well, one of the guys that worked for my brother said, "Well, look, let's just lay a piece of pipe down, and then you follow the pipe. It's straight." Uh, okay. That was that was simple. Yeah, and you were going to use the pipe anyway. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it was it was a guide, and you know this guy just thought about it and he said that that would do it, and he was absolutely right. Um, so those kinds of experiences, and then working with uh, some of my brother's uh, workers, you know, just rubbing shoulders with people with other skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was that was really good for me. Well, part of part of succeeding in whatever is um, being comfortable failing. So I did want to go back to the rabbit story. Uh, how did that work out, and or how did it not work out? Oh, I don't know. I, I guess I, it's like you know a lot of fantasies that fifteen year old kids have. It, uh, it it sounds good on you know in the, in the back of your head, but. I, I think it just died a natural death. <laughs> okay, um, but then I, but but I then I was always, then I thought, well, I could go back and run the motel for my brothers, and they that would relieve them of having to do some of the things they had to do with it, and their wives wouldn't have to do quite as much as they were doing. Um, and I was trying to think, you know, could I buy into that? Well, I didn't know at that time the four-lane highway was coming through, and that was pretty much the end of the summer trade for the motel because the, the, uh, the you know, the, the four-lane highway didn't have any off-ramps where the motel was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. But I think it kind of died a natural death, too. And then I thought that running a trampoline center would be kind of an interesting thing to do. A trampoline center? Yeah. At, at that time, and this is uh, 56, 57, uh, 
outdoor trampoline centers were the big deal right there. And I went to several of them and had a great time. And I just thought, boy, it'd be cool to run one of those. Um, but that was a passing fad. Okay. Uh, the trampoline centers kind of died out in a year or two. So I, I didn't do that. Um, but every summer, uh, well, let's see, how did that fit in? When, when I graduated from, from uh, high school, my whole family, uh, all my brothers and sisters and, and their wives and their kids all came to the graduation, and that was, that was a big deal. Uh, they were, <laughs> I was a class of seven uh, at the school. Wow. Um, what was your rank? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we, you know, we did that, and then you know I went back to Colorado, and on the so after a few months, I got hooked up with the Department of Rehab in Colorado, and um, you know they didn't know me at first, and they. <clears throat> sent me to their workshop, and I lasted a half a day there. I, I have to say that uh, I realized that that was not going to be for me. What was it like? Um, monotonous, being told what to do, when to do it, when not to do it. I just I knew that that, that, that was not for me. And it, you know, it wasn't belittling anybody else that was there, but boy, it wasn't it wasn't my thing. So I didn't stay with that. Um, but then they thought, well, maybe I could sell brooms and blind made products, brooms and mops and dust 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 claws and things that that the blind shops there and in other states made, like the lighthouse. Yep. Yeah, and I made some pretty damn good money with that. I hired a buddy of mine as a driver, and we worked the countryside. And it didn't hurt. I'm sure that my family was known. My brother serviced all that area with his propane business. My other brother's grocery store was well known. My dad had been a plumber there for years and years. So, um. I'd like to think that they bought the products because they were good, but that might not have been the only reason. <laughs> so practically, you drive from farm to farm in these rural areas, and you just get out 